Welcome to Things I Preach to Myself About podcast. I'm your host, Rich Vangen. On today's episode, episode number four, I'd like to introduce myself a bit more. Where did I come from? What's my story? How did I get here? And most of all, what's my testimony? I've been asked, well, told, to tell you guys, the listeners, a little bit about myself. And so here we are, fourth episode in, and I'm finally going to reveal some things about myself. But the element by which I'm going to share my story is going to be a little different than most. As a Christian, a believer in Jesus Christ as the Son of God and Savior, the story of where we were and how we got to the here and now is called a testimony. Most Christians have a testimony that share similarities. It's a story of a life away from God, doing our own thing, then a preacher or witness comes about that shares the gospel message of the saving grace of Jesus. There's usually some type of invitation to receive Christ as personal Savior and then rebirth in the newness of life. It's always an exciting story, and it's celebrated by countless numbers of people throughout the generations since the New Testament times. My story doesn't quite go that way. In fact, as linear as the testimony is to most people, my testimony looks more like a spirograph or maybe similar to the color crayon drawing of a two-year-old. There's really nothing linear about me and my walk with God through Christ. First off, as I've mentioned in previous podcasts, I am not an ordained minister. I'm not a pastor of any particular church or denomination. I don't even hold an advanced degree in any religious studies from any institution. Everything and anything that I talk about on these podcasts comes from my own studies and leadings from the Holy Spirit, of which I have been a most difficult student to him above. Thus the necessity to preach to myself all these things that he, God, shows me and lays on my heart, that he reveals to me through his word. You may have differing views or opinions regarding topics that I share on here, And believe me, I make mistakes, I misunderstand things, and quite honestly, I often take a long time to grasp concepts from the Bible. God knows, though, that I am a work in progress. Now, the word testimony appears in various usages and forms in both the Old and New Testaments of the Bible. In the Old Testament, Hebrew words such as yead, ud, and anah are used and such as the prophets testifying against Israel or by testimony of some visible evidence that point to God. Like, remember when Moses was coming down from Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments and he was glowing? Well, that was one of his testimonies. In the New Testament, the Greek word martyria appears throughout, and it can mean testimony, could mean witness or evidence, And it's also referenced as a defense, such as the way the apostles would give a defense from the accusations made against them. A good example of a testimony or a defense would be Paul appearing before King Agrippa and making his defense in Acts 26. To be said, the entire Bible is really one complete testimony. 
not only the testimony of the saints from the Old to the New Testament, but a complete testimony of God himself. Now, the testimony is a very important thing for the believer. As mentioned in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, it says, And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life, even when faced with death. The power of the word of our testimony will come into play at the end times. It is our stance against the devil and of the world when it comes against the truth of God. The testimony is a powerful ally along with the word of God, the Bible, and other evidences in Christian apologetics. Our testimony is essentially our story of the workings and reality of God himself in our lives. How God has shown his power through us in our lives is a witness to others. Even the fruit of the Spirit can be considered a testimony unto God. So, what about me, my testimony? Well, as mentioned before, I don't have this rags-to-riches linear story of a sinner brought to God and saved from heaven unto hell. I kind of alluded off and on about my salvation story in previous episodes, you know, especially like when I'm told about how I prayed the sinner's prayer numerous times over many years thinking that the salvation process really didn't work for me because I didn't have this lightning and thunder, total change of heart in an instant moment every time I begged God into my life. I didn't have that one particular moment in time that I can say with certainty that that was when I was saved. Some folks that I know and others I have heard of, such as the great theologian R.C. Sproul, They can name the date, the time, the circumstances surrounding the moment when they first received salvation and how they changed in an instant. My cousin had this come-to-Jesus moment while he was living on the streets, getting high on drugs. And after hearing the gospel message from some street evangelists, he prayed for salvation and has since then walked with God, even committing his life to evangelism on the streets and around the world. My story is kind of a mix, a mix of self-salvation and going through the motions. One minute, I'm on fire just for a moment, or maybe a season, but then grow cold and shut down. And it's been an up and down and all around story. I can say with certainty, though, that God has been there constantly tugging and pulling at me most of my life but I never really recognized it being from God. As much as I've tried to venture down the path that leads to destruction, God seems to always pull me back from the edge, and without me even really knowing or understanding any of it. So even though I grew up attending the Lutheran Church, going through confirmation classes, I still really had no knowledge of God or Jesus or the Bible. Actually, to be honest, it didn't really even matter to me then. And I recall many years later, I was in the Air Force in Europe, and I was just filled with drunken debauchery, living for self and self-gratification. And as naive as I was to the ways of life, I just easily fell under the spells of the world and all of its lusts and desires. Yet out of the blue one day, I was at a military store, and I had this urge, this need to buy a Bible. Why? I don't know. I just knew that I needed one. Now, did I read it? 
No, not then. But years later, after starting a family and struggling to make men meet, you know, make ends meet, I remember watching a Billy Graham special. And at the end, I did. I participated in that call to pray to receive salvation. And I remember saying that prayer with the expectation of thunder and lightning and angels singing and a complimentary, well done, good and faithful servant from God himself. Well, you know how that worked, and that was a big letdown. But the one positive in my approach to salvation response was that I did start to read the Bible. I actually even bought a little New Testament that I carried with me, reading it during downtimes. I didn't actually know or understand what I was reading, but I did just read it. Now, at that time, I really didn't have any zeal for sharing the gospel either, possibly because I really didn't even know what the gospel was. I did attend and join some churches, and I did gather a lot of head knowledge over the years as well as I struggled with this whole salvation process. I became active in church worship teams for years, enjoying fellowship, learning more and more. But with my life still crumbling down around me, I found myself always pushing away from God, church, and the pursuit of holiness, and really relying just on myself, the old ways. Now, during these years, I often found myself doubting my salvation. I would pray again the prayer to save me in hopes of changing and becoming like so many people I've seen in the churches that were pious and happy and filled with the Holy Spirit. But truthfully, I was really just jealous and I wanted that, but I didn't get that. So instead, despair and hopelessness really filled my life. There were some moments of life that would break through from time to time, though, Probably the most encouraging time was when I went to see this pastor at a local Baptist church. I asked him if I wasn't feeling saved because I committed some unpardonable sin, like I grieved the Holy Spirit, maybe something from my old dark days when I was walking in evil. Now, his answer would soon spark some revival within me, though, right in the deepest shadows of doubt that would permeate my heart. He kind of looked at me and said, If you're worried about your salvation and about being right with God, that's really the Holy Spirit working within you, convicting you, prompting you, moving you toward a path of righteousness instead of living the prodigal life. Now, he shared that people, you know, who will not or cannot get right with God, those that are not elected by the Spirit, they won't pursue God in his ways. They don't even think or worry about whether or not, you know, God is in their life. They don't want to read the Bible and they don't want to go to church. Well, that answer really reignited some hope within me because I was calling out, I was seeking, I was wanting, I was desiring. Now, is this to say that my walk afterward was that of a pious man, a man after God's own heart? That the word filled me with a righteousness? Unfortunately, no. As hopeful as I was that there was a glimmer of hope, my hope lasted for just a season and I was back to the hot, cold, lukewarm battles. 
So as you can see up to this point, my testimony is one of wandering, comparable to the Israelites in the desert that were out there for 40 years. And yes, even to this day, there's battles that rage on, battles in the flesh. But what's different nowadays versus the many decades ago is that during the years wandering in the desert, I did learn a lot about God. And more than just that, I learned about theology, the study of God. I learned not only about the history of the Bible and the church after the apostolic period, but also of how man interacts with the Word of God and with this history, and how man has managed to interject himself into biblical interpretations and really kind of skew the Word of God to fit certain narratives. Now, not that these narratives and these misinterpretations of the Word of God is some new means of attack on the Word of God and God's true church. No, that has been going on since the beginning of time. Questioning God's Word has been the scheme of the devil since before humanity came onto the scene. As explained in Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14, Lucifer was an angel of light. He was the most beautiful in the heavens. Since he and the other angels are created beings, they are not perfect like God. Now, he became full of himself and thought he should be glorified as God also. Pride, that's called pride. And that very nature, we all possess without having been taught. So, now Lucifer, he brought a third of the angels with when he was cast out of heaven for his rebellion toward God. He convinced a third of them. This guy's a smooth talker and he's smart. He knows the, he knows the word of God better than any human can. And because of that and his work to thwart God's will, he manipulates those who study the word of God, the Bible. So you can see how there are often differing views and opinions when interpreting uh, scripture. So that is a history, and I, I really don't have time to get into that today, but let's just say that it's rampant in today's churches, it's been rampant in the history of the church, and it often causes the saints to stumble and fall. So fortunately, the Holy Spirit, though, helps guide people to read, interpret, understand, and use the Word of God correctly. So after the Reformation, many great men of God came out proclaiming the Word of God instead of man-made rules and laws. And thankfully, this proper teaching of the whole Word inspired multitudes to walk away from false teaching preachers and theologians and really study the Word of God themselves. I thank God that I have a very questioning spirit sometimes because I find myself asking questions when listening or reading, you know, preachers and teachers. I always ask, well, where in the Bible does it say that? And what is the context of those words? When you cast aside interpretations of men and read for yourself prayerfully and thoroughly, you really discover God's words directly to yourself. Now, this isn't to say that all teachers and all preachers are bad. On the contrary. I have found great helps from the writings and teachings of good and solid you know, reformers and theologians, preachers, but we must take each with a grain of salt, and like the Bereans in the book of Acts, we have to test everything that is told to us or said to us or read to us through the scriptures. Thus, many of the social and cultural and prosperity preachers and teachers 
right now they're being exposed as false and heretical because people are actually using the scriptures to examine their ways. So many other aspects to my testimony, so many. And as impatient as I am, you know, I'm wanting to be walking in the glory and the light of God every moment of every hour of every day. I've had to learn to be patient. God's timing for things is not ours, and it's not ours to alter. The Israelites, they wandered in the desert for 40 years because they were a quote-unquote stiff-necked people. God has to send each of us through different trials and paths to get us prepared for the celestial city. Some come to faith easier than others. I have struggled long and hard, no doubt about it. But it has to be God's timing, and I have to learn patience in God's timing. And most of all, I have to learn to trust him in his timing. That, that is a difficult thing for me to do. I mean, we are a people of instant gratification, and having to wait through the sanctification process is hard, especially when we have an enemy, the devil, that uses that time to trip us, hinder us, cause us to question God and his word and his promises. Thus, all the more important to know the word, the scriptures. I cannot stress this enough. Had I taken time early on in my walk with God to really study the scriptures, I know that there would have been probably a stronger walk. But God uses our faults and our failings despite ourselves. Praise God. This is why my testimony is all over the board. The prodigal son went out from his father for a season and came back and repented and came back into the fold. Me... I've made so many trips away from God's calling that I probably have enough frequent flyer miles to circle the heavens a thousand times. Look, just saying a prayer and making some verbal commitment at a church service or event, that doesn't necessarily save you. God saves you by changing your heart where you are at the right time. God calls you from the depths of the depravities Jesus, he paid the penalties for our sins on the cross as an atonement. The Holy Spirit works in you continually, not just once in a while or at the time of our rebirth. Receiving Christ as our Savior is really us surrendering our ways for his ways. The process may be instant or it may take decades, but either way, salvation is of God alone through Jesus Christ alone, by the power of the Holy Spirit alone, and it's explained complete in the scriptures alone. So to God be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So no matter how your path toward heaven goes, we all need to continually refill ourselves with that first love, that moment we realize that we need God in our lives. Whether we made that prayer or commitment at that moment or not, We need to remember we needed God in our lives. We revisit that by filling our hearts and our minds with his instruction book, the Bible. That's one giant testimony of God. And without it, we're wandering the desert aimlessly. But during our journey, we need to pay close attention to those wild beasts that are all around seeking to destroy and devour us and lead us astray from the narrow path that God has laid out for us. The only way to defeat the enemies during this journey 
The only way to stay focused on the prize that's ahead is to know where we are going and use the roadmap given to us. His words. Your testimony is your story of God bringing you into his fold, saving you from eternal hell. We all have a story. And the central point of God's grace towards us to call us to himself, that's the central point. We must never lose that story, as it is power. To take a sinner, a heathen rebel such as myself, and allow me access to eternal glory and happiness and peace in heaven, well, that, my friend, is a story of salvation. Now, whether I deserve it or not by man's standards, that will not have any say. Because God thought enough of me to give me the ultimate gift, a testimony. This has been Things That I Preach to Myself About podcast. Again, I'm your host, Rich Vang, and I really appreciate you tuning in and listening. Feel free to reach out and let me know what you think and what you do and what you want me to do. And you can reach me at canonforhire01 at gmail.com. That's canonforhire01 at gmail.com. I appreciate your listening and look forward to hearing from you. And may the word of God and the spirit of God by the blood of God through his son Jesus fill you with his peace. Stay in the word. God bless you. Amen.